G'day everyone and welcome to the Coach Mark Carroll podcast. Today, I guess we've got a special guest. Today is Lauren Simpson, who happens to be my girlfriend. I'm sure you guys all know how you're doing, Lauren Simpson. I'm very good. It's a pleasure to be on here finally after all these episodes that you've been doing. So thanks for inviting me on here. You know, you made it big when you get on your boyfriend's podcast. (laughs) No, I'm really excited to be on here. Finally. Finally. So guys, I'm sure many of you know Lauren very well. Um, And if you haven't, I'll give you a really quick rundown so we can basically have you understand a little bit about Lauren's history with training, obviously at a very high level. And then we'll kind of go into a bit more detailed topics on things around prep, like the duration of a comp prep, understanding things like diet breaks, and also kind of your your mentality, not just going into a comp, but actually exiting out of a comp. So firstly, Lauren, um, obviously, you were a WBFF World Bikini Champion. Do you want to give everyone a little bit of rundown, I guess, about your history with comps, but also just your social media and what you're up to at the moment? Yeah, so in terms of comp prep, I started out competing back in 2015, I think it was, and my last show was in 2019. So Little Lauren back in 2015 was with IMBA. Uh, I actually did fitness model back then. And then I think my first WBFF show was 2016. And then, as I said, my most recent one, the last one was 2019, which absolutely blows my mind at how long ago that feels now. But to be honest, it kind of feels like yesterday too. Um, So as you all know, for me, I am a huge advocate of lifting weights, girls being strong, and that's kind of always been true to me and who I am and my own personal brand too. Um, I'm an online trainer for those of you who don't know. And most recently, I have had a fashion brand. I started a fashion brand in 2020, which is rare. And I guess that really merged my love and passion for both fitness and fashion. I absolutely love wearing unique gym items to um, training. So I think that, yeah, that really just solidified that little bridge with fashion and fitness for me, which is very exciting. It keeps me busy, as Mark knows. I think Lauren and I are kind of like your opposites attract where Lauren's all about fashion and looking good and I wear baby Yoda pajamas out outside um, get from Target. Um, so with Lauren, we met when I started training, officially kind of met back in 2018 when I started training Lauren when she was we were at Clean Health together. We briefly met once, though, you can tell everyone, we briefly met met once in 2000 and when? 15? 15. And you spotted me randomly at Clean Health. And we crossed paths for about five minutes then. It was was the best five minutes of Lauren's 2015, right? (laughs) It was. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then so I trained Lauren in 2018 and that was... She did a powerlifting comp that year. And then after the powerlifting comp went into the, was it Las Vegas? And Vegas went over to the um, WBFF world titles and Lauren won and became world bikini champion. And then in 2019, we um, did another prep 
and over in Bahamas in that time, Lauren came third. So what I want to firstly chat about is something I find women and guys, obviously, but I obviously work with women predominantly for comps is that competing is a really hard sport because it is subjective. So when you won in 2018 versus 2019, when you competed again, but came third, something we've spoken a lot about is that you thought, and I thought that you had an even better physique, that you you improved substantially. Is that something you still think? Yeah, 100%. And yeah, looking back on that, even though I did come third, for me, it was such a personal win, just reflecting on the changes that I did make, even in one year. I remember even us putting photos side to side from that 2018 versus 2019. And even looking at my lower body, my glutes and everything, there had been significant change even in such a short period of time so yeah even though I did come third I think that looking back I yeah I was so happy I wouldn't have changed like how I looked at all that's one of the funny things because obviously you can win and winning feels incredible but your goal is always obviously yes to win but also improve your physique and that's something I think even as a coach it can be quite hard because you can see your client do an amazing job and they dramatically improve their physique. But if they don't get the result they want, which is subjective, then they feel super, super terrible. So I remember after that comp, you, when you came third, you're like, ah, I was like, ah, whatever. You know, and I was just like, ah, she should have won. There was a war war with us. (laughs) Being, you know, me being her coach, just, thought she looked amazing and you know coming off for the world title win and felt very strongly and still do that she probably had the best physique yet again and that didn't work out so I remember though very very fondly that you weren't really very face out you're like ah, well is what it is like how, how do you find how do you find that you know you didn't take it like life or death like you see so many people do especially at low levels you know you see women do their first ever comp and they're, you know, working part-time as a PT or whatnot. And, and, you know, they don't place and they just hate the experience after. Like how did you at such the top of the top level manage to, you know, the, I guess the expectations of not winning? I think for me and what I would give as advice to anyone else out there who is competing, I wasn't, just hung up on the end result that obviously it's amazing to win and obviously we all do it because we want to win I was world champion so like I am competitive in nature you know but it's the whole journey itself and it sounds really cliche but for me I fell in love with the process I loved dieting I loved training hard I loved learning more about myself and pushing my own like limits with certain things like discipline building those good habits and I think if you only get hung up on the end result then there's going to be a lot of disappointed people out there at the end of the day there can only be one winner so if you look at it like that if you only were so focused on being the winner and you didn't actually take time to enjoy everything else that happens before that one day you're going to end up disappointed so I think for me it was just falling in love with every day of the prep. And yes, it was hard, but 
I just knew I was taking out of what I was doing so much more than just a first place, if that makes sense. First place is amazing, but there are so many other wins along the way. And I think a lot of people often forget about the small wins. And I think we talk about that a lot in like on social media and stuff like there's small wins. What can you do every single day to make yourself better? And for me, like that's what I really focused in on. Yeah, something I found from obviously knowing Lauren for a long time and we've been dating almost five years now is we have a lot of similarities, but also quite a lot of differences in you know our viewpoint on how we handle things in life. And I'd like to say Lauren has a lot more stoicism to the way she handles things where me being you know, Mark, which is crazy, is going to be very up and down. And, you know, I feel the wins that I feel great. I feel the losses and they feel terrible. And then, so whereas Lauren does a great job of kind of, you know, taking the good with the bad and, Something Lauren said there, which was cool, was that she kind of spoke about, obviously, the journey and enjoying the journey. And that's something I've been talking to everyone on the podcast recently um, is about, you know, measuring your progress. And that's something, if you haven't listened yet to my podcast about how we measure progress incorrectly, have a listen to that because Lauren spoke a lot about, then again, the journey, enjoying the process. And for you, obviously, you were competing, but regardless of your winning or placing third, it was still fantastic for your business, right? Yeah, exactly. For me at that time, I was really using social media to share my journey. I think that was also part of why I was so heavily invested into the day-to-day of it uh, because I was sharing everything about it. And I think 2015, I probably had around 10,000 followers. And it was kind of growing back then. And I would share my daily meals. I would share my training on there. And back then it was only photos too, guys. So there was none of these fancy videos, fancy editing or anything like that. It was literally just like photos. It was my Tupperware container with my chicken and rice and whatever I was eating. It was actually really boring food back then, but we can probably talk about my clean eating habits later on. Um, But yeah, I shared so much of my journey back then and it really did help with social media And I found that it connected me to like-minded people. And I have met so many friends through competing and the fitness industry because we get each other, which I think as you are older, like as you get older, it's really hard to make new friends. I find a lot of people do struggle with that. And when I did get into the fitness world, my friends back then thought I was probably a little bit crazy. I wasn't partying as much. I was saying no to going out and getting absolutely blind on weekends because I did get more focused in on my goals, my health and fitness goals. But in saying that, it also allowed me the opportunity to make new friends as well. I put myself out there. I, Tamara, one of my best friends, we actually met because she sent me an email randomly asking me something to do with fitness. And I wrote her this like essay back. She's like, oh my God, like this, like I was so passionate about all things health and fitness. And then we just one day decided to meet up at the gym. So I think that, yeah, it's opened up so many opportunities, obviously with social media growth, with friendships and yeah, it's been amazing. So on that topic of obviously, you know, your training very, very hard. You said, I think you, you started competing in 2015. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. yeah 2015. And then, so to, till 
2019. So yeah, a fair, fair good chunk of years. Something I have talked a bit about on social media and a little bit on my podcast is how often we're training people think that if you're say a world bikini champion, which is, you know, the best of the best of the best, then it means you must be training seven days a week, two sessions a day, um, doing endless cardio and all these things. And what I'd like to kind of explain to people is that a lot of the times the best physiques in the world, they're not necessarily doing anything insanely different to other people. And I think too often people get this perception that, Hey, if I want to look like Lauren, and I'm training a little bit, I must therefore just be living in the gym endlessly and stuff like that. So training split wise and stuff like that. Do you remember what you were kind of doing at your peak and, you know, like what, how much cardio you were doing and stuff like that when you, when we were prepping? My memory. <laughs> um, so I think pretty much the same as what I do now. I was three lower body days, two upper body days and three lower, two upper. Yeah. I didn't really do much cardio because getting lean wasn't an issue for me. And I think we just did um, a periodized step target. Um, So, yeah, I think that's right, is it? Yeah, so nothing crazy. So even though Lauren now is not trying to compete, what she was doing then is pretty much consistent with what I do these days in a lot of my programs, my challenges and stuff like that. So I think like just, just, just on that topic, For me, that was kind of what got me really undone when I first started out, even before I started competing. I used to be on social media and I used to see these girls with these insane physiques. And this was when I was super uneducated, very new to everything. And I would idolize these girls and their bodies. And I used to look at them and think, to get to that, they must be training seven days a week. They must be doing hours of workouts per day weights cardio they must be eating as little food as possible and that is how I thought things had to happen in order to get a body like that so funny to say that like that is how I had like this warped perception of what those girls did and looked like and it was only until I started learning more and I got a coach and I started yeah to become further educated in like nutrition and training did I actually see that you didn't have to suffer in order to look like that. Those girls probably weren't doing that, but just like from the outside looking in, I think a lot of people do tend to think that this whole like more is like you're doing more. So that's how you get the result. But sometimes it is like pulling back a little bit and that's how it is achieved. With the topic there of, you know, looking what other people are doing and their food and things like that where, Obviously, social media has changed a lot over the last five, six, seven years and the education's improved a lot on social media and, you know, mm-hmm. before it was just, you know, beautiful people posting photos and stuff like that. And now, you know, you've got great coaches on here and even, you know, even people who used to do that are so much better educated. And so the, the space has improved a lot. Yeah. And obviously your knowledge improved a lot without with your nutrition as well. I remember though, starting uh, yeah starting off early in your preps when you started competing you said how different you know your your food was from it was very very strict not that you ate terribly or did did extreme you know flexible dieting or anything like that but I do believe you know it 
changed quite a bit over those four years of comps. Do you kind of want to talk about, you know, the evolution of the way you looked at food, especially even even in your, you know, your famous kind of before and after photo transformations when you're at your most small and stuff like that, how your relationship with food changed? Yeah, so back in probably 2014, 2015, that was in my little era when I was under eating, I was overtraining. And as you said, it was because I was just so uneducated and I was just, I remember I was studying bodybuilding.com. I would read like literally every article on there, just like trying to learn as much. I would even my like Google about comp prep because I thought that I could basically do it myself and not even to compete, but just look like that. So I'd find all these like meal plan templates and it would literally be chicken and asparagus. It would be like whatever the measurements were five times a day. And I would try and follow these stupid meal plans, generic meal plans that I'd found on like bodybuilding.com because it was like a contest prep. And so that was kind of how I started out. Very uneducated. I was 10 kilos lighter than what I am now. So for me on a already small frame, like that is ridiculously small and I was very unhealthy. And so for me, I guess I got into wanting to learn more because I did want to compete. And I knew that I, in order to do that, I had to build muscle. I had to gain some weight because I was looking really frail back then. So I think it was when I started with clean health, actually, and I got a coach there initially, um, I really had to put my faith in someone else to have them steer me and guide me in the right direction. And for anyone else out there who has suffered with some kind of like, even like eating disorders or anything to do with like warped perception around like food and training to kind of let go of everything that you perceive or that you deem is right or the right way of doing something to put your trust in someone else's hands is actually really hard. So that was kind of the first time that I like tried to break away from that mindset of clean eating, of restriction, and kind of saw how empowering it was to be able to eat more food and to start getting stronger. And that's kind of where my squatting and my deadlifting really started to flourish as well when I um, was eating more food. So I kind of went from being clean, super clean eating. I also have tried every kind of fad diet under the sun. I've tried paleo. I've tried low carb. I've tried keto. I've done everything guys. And so finally, when I started to learn more about like calories and macros, I think that that allowed me to know that there's no right or wrong way of doing like there's no good or bad foods. I started to eat things that I never literally thought that I would have pizza, pasta. I ate out more and I learned how to track my food. And I think that that really gave me the freedom and the flexibility to start live life again, living life again, because I suffered a lot. I said no to so many things. I became very withdrawn from my friends and my family. So flexible dieting really, I guess that gave me a new life on things. And I found that I could still be like competing. I could still have these really like big fitness goals. But at the same time, I was like, what, 19, 20, I could still go out and live my life too. So um, having that flexible dieting approach, dieting approach definitely, um, yeah, introduced me to a whole new way of doing things, which, yeah, helped a lot <laughs> over the years. Definitely. With 
though your version of flexible dieting, it was very different to yeah, very different. Well, Mark Cowell like flexible it. dieting. So I'm the Mark Cowell, the Mark Cowell method for myself is a little bit different. Yeah, it's it's more of a if it fits your macros, whatever I can fit in. Um, whereas Lauren's flexible dieting is ninety seven percent. You know. I can, in, I can fit in some chips for dessert tonight. That's mine. <laughs> yeah, so this is the kind of person Lauren is and this is why it's hard to date someone like Lauren at times. She's a person who will buy an entire block of chocolate. <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, oh, I don't want anything. I don't want to bring anything home. You know, I just want to be really on top of my food. She's like, oh, I just really want some chocolate. So she'll buy a whole block of chocolate and then have I want to try the new, I want to try the new flavor that I've just seen. And then of that whole block, she'll have like one piece, like, you know, one 70th and just stop. And then I'm just like, oh, and then she goes to bed. Then in my sleep, I'm just with my eyes closed, just eat it all. So she's one of those people who's just so disciplined, which makes, you know, flexible dieting really helpful because, you know, you, you have that ability to stop very easily. And that and what I want to go into with that is that something that you do, I think, better than any other woman I've ever seen with competing, and I don't want to give give Lauren a big head, but something Lauren does better really than anyone, yeah, some, something she does better than anyone I've ever seen in the world of fitness, which I've been associated with, is that she stays in in incredible shape year round. So it's never a standpoint of all right, I get lean and then within eight weeks I put on 15, 20 kilos and then I feel terrible about myself and something like that. Even though you do put on a little bit of weight, obviously after you comp, it's only, you know, when it, when you were, it was only four or five kilos and that was generally me trying to force feed you to do that. And something like that is, I think, allowed you to compete much more eat more easily because it meant you didn't have to have these gigantic preps where you had to lose huge amounts of weight. It, it, it made I think, between. <laughs> yeah. So it was like a, it was one of those things where if you think of it like this, so let's say every time you, you know, you want to lose weight, if you only have to lose five kilos, five kilos is going to be much more comfortable than say if you have to lose 10 kilos, 15 kilos, it's just going to extend the period that you'll need to be dieting for. And that's something I think you did really well. And even when we're in a surplus, it was not a surplus of a uh, screw it mode. I'll, I'm going to eat, you know, 2,700 calories, but then I'll just go have 5,000 calories. Everything was always still on track. So do you think, is that just something that you were so disciplined with, just your mentality to it? Or was it just that, you know, it was just you, it was just your habits for you? I think for me personally, it's because if I want to do anything in life, I want to do it well. And so I thought, okay, like if I was in a diet phase, I want to do this well. I would, I would kid, you know, I would hit absolutely everything that you guys would set for me, like with my diet. And even if it was in a uh, surplus, I would treat that with the same respect as I would have treated being in a deficit so I think that that's why because if I was going to be in a surplus I wanted to do that well I wanted to maximize the numbers that I was hitting and we also were doing like powerlifting prep during those times so again like I wanted to be good at what I was doing so either way whether it be dieting down 
or if it was eating more food, I wanted to use that food to then build muscle and get strong. So I think just being disciplined in it. And if I was going to be doing something and I was going to the effort to track it and I was putting that time and energy into something. So again, like wanting to do it well, that's kind of how I see that. That's one of the big things I think that make people who are really successful in the fitness industry so good is that they are able to control all periods. They're able to be in control of their deficits. They're able to be in control of the maintenance phase. They're also able to be in control of the surplus. And that's something even myself, I've always struggled with. I'm all right. When it's dieting time, boom. All right, let's go into deficit. When it's in a build time, it's like, eh, I'll track or oh, maybe not. And then I'll be like, oh, whatever. I've got so many calories to play with. And your diet just gets looser and looser and looser. And that's something where a lot of the people I've trained in the last few years, a lot of my pro bikini competitors who've won comps in the last couple of years and obviously Lauren, a world champion, they do a fantastic job of just being on top of things year round. And I think one of the reasons why they do it is because it's not a struggle. Like it, I think for you, like, tell me if I'm wrong, but you just love the process. You love training. You love eating well. It's not something where it's like, oh, man, it's just... It's so forced. I hate this. Um, you know, it's a, it it's wasn't a chore. Just your life. Yeah. It felt like a chore to me. It never felt like a chore. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's that's what I think a lot of people come to me and ask me about if they should compete and stuff like that. And something I always think about is, well, have you been training well for the last few years? Is this something that's just randomly you just decided because you saw your friend on stage and she looked beautiful or whatever and you go I just want to look like her or is this something that you've been doing for years you've been living and breathing basically the whole fitness training health side of things and then you go hey you know what let's take it to another level I want to compete that's kind of where you want to be before you compete you want to be doing all these things already really really well you don't want to just go all right, well, now I need to lose 20 kilos. I've been kind of training two, three days a week. I haven't tracked my macros before. That's why preparing a base and then trying to stick to it, I think is so, so important to allow you to do great things. So we will wrap up in a couple more questions, Lauren, because we'll we'll, we'll have a probably a two-part um, series where you go into a bit more of the juicy relationship. I'm coming back, guys. I'm coming back. She's got the call up, so... We'll keep this one short about comp, um, but we're saying that something that we did, and I, I've always wanted to kind of get you on about this is diet. I'll say that again. Something that we've spoken a lot about and is diet breaks. And I talk to my audience a lot about diet breaks when I do my challenges. I'm sure Lauren in your community and stuff like that, your massive LSF community, you know, you know, you've talked about diet breaks, refeeds, and stuff like that, having a break from dieting. So something that so many people do is, you know, when they get into a calorie deficit, they, they're so excited to be like, man, when, when can I get out of a deficit? When can I have a break? When can I get my calories up for a week or something? Can I, hey, coach, can I have a diet break now? And it's been a week of a deficit. Something that Lauren did, well, actually, I'll let Lauren, you explain kind of your thoughts on your personal experience. Yeah, so for diet breaks, this is something that I didn't necessarily love. And I think that does come off the back of me being so headstrong and focused on one goal. And I found that when I was in comp and I was in a deficit, and even if it was feeling hard, 
I liked having the momentum of ticking off each day and just knowing exactly what I was in for. Um, I knew at points I was feeling hungry. I was probably tired and I just knew what my in my calorie intake would be for that day. So I was building that good momentum daily and I just got used to feeling how I was on those calories. Now, when it came to a diet break, so when your calories are brought back up to around like whatever, like maintenance or something like that or higher, uh, I used to find that it really threw me. It threw me out of my routine. And for anyone listening, you know how much I'm big on my routine. And it just threw me a li little bit. And But don't get me wrong. I did obviously love having more food, more carbs, more calories to play around with and be a little bit more adventurous with food. But I knew that the days following that uh, – I felt hungry. I felt a lot hungrier than I was because it's like your body got that taste for the delicious food or it got that taste for more food. My body probably was a lot more satisfied than it had been over the course of the prior weeks. And then so when I got that refeed, my body was expecting it again and I felt hungrier and I felt hungrier. So like I did find it threw me off a little bit during prep. So I wasn't someone that was absolutely craving a refeed. I just liked having the good momentum of being really headstrong and focused on the goal. Is this, is this common? Is this not? Is this rare? Yeah. So seeing kind of research around stuff like this and a lot of anecdote for me, obviously working with so many people dieting, that's kind of what I do is that it's important to understand everyone's different. Some people will be like Lauren who just want to go, all right, eight weeks, let's get in, let's get out. Let's just do it consistently. Let's chip away, chip away, chip away. When you do diet breaks, you need to think, well, you're probably going to be extending the period that you're going to be dieting for in, in total. So let's say you do four weeks of diet breaks, but you need to lose, say, four kilos. So four kilos, half a kilo a week, that's about eight, eight weeks. So eight weeks to lose four kilos. If you just did eight weeks straight, you'd get there. But if you, you're a person who likes diet breaks consistently and you want to do, say, four weeks of diet breaks, that's fine. You can do it, but it's just going to drag out the period. So you might need 12 weeks to get the, those four kilos because every time you're diet breaking, remember, every day you're, out, you're diet breaking, you're out of a calorie deficit. So you're actually not being, losing body fat. And that is fine. The, the issue is, is that it just needs to be quite subjective. What works for you might not work for someone else. And that's why for all the coaches out there, try not to get too structured with it, like where you make your clients, you have to do something. Because with Lauren, you know, if something was going well, if you're a client losing weight, they're feeling good, they're lifting well, they're not hungry, you don't need to just force a diet break on them just because, you know, sometimes you really want to just go off well, how the client's feeling. So with that, the final question, Lauren, and this is a big one. I want to I want to jump into a bit more of these aspects another time. But coming out of a comp is a time where so many women struggle. It's a it's a really hard period. Even my client um, Jenna, who works for me, she's not in a comp, but she got really lean. And then post kind of a really hard diet phase, even though we're building up her calories went up quickly, she struggles tremendously, and that's really common. So after your comps. I don't remember you really kind of getting those post-comp blues. Like how did you kind of feel in the, the month or two after a comp? Yeah, so, yeah, it's definitely re referred to as post-comp blues. And it is a time that a lot of people really struggle with. For me personally, yes, it was tough. And I do think that 
it is harder than the comp prep itself in a lot of times and for a lot of people because your big goal, that goal that you've been working months and months for, it's now gone. So the discipline to actually like stay on track with your food and your training it's not really there as like as it was before because that that end goal you've ticked that off so I think mentally it is a lot harder because you start to allow little bits of flexibility again whether it be like eating more food whether it be eating out and being a lot more social again around food so I think that again like and it's as I touched on with like being in a surplus you need to treat post comp with the same respect as what you were in comp and I think rather than becoming so obsessed and focused that was one thing a lot of girls I find tend to get really self like self really focused in on food obsessed with food looking at food pictures planning their post-comp meal bringing all the cookies and everything to show day whereas I think if you just don't have that association so much with comp um you're not so much going to crave it afterwards like have a little bit yeah but you're not becoming obsessed with food And I think it goes back again to flexible dieting, allowing yourself to have little bits of like chocolate or little bits of ice cream fitted into your day. You're not going to feel so deprived when you come out of it. If you've literally only been eating chicken, like of course you're going to be craving sweets and your self-control is probably going to be zero. So I think, yeah, just having that flexible mindset during prep uh, and then just looking for things outside of just food as you come out of post-comp, go for, I don't know, different things that don't revolve around food but again like it just requires a little bit more discipline still like you can't just let go of all those good habits and behaviors that you did build up yeah and I think on the whole topic of the post-comp blues that's why it's also important to try and reset goals outside the gym to have new hobbies outside the gym so it's not just in those comp periods you're just so consumed by that one goal your physique everything is just looking in the mirror Am I, lean, am I lean enough? How do I look? I check every morning when you wake up, like, oh, my God, have I got a six-pack yet? Literally. So your entire life is just how good I do think. I look? How good do I look? So it's really important post-comp to – this is why I'm a huge fan of setting strength goals and focusing on a little bit of different training. All right, we've been doing everything just to look in the mirror to be validated. This is why I'm a huge fan of trying to set strength goals. And I think as well with Lauren, she did so many strength phases, you know, powerlifting comps in between her bikini comps, which again, I think really laid the foundation of not feeling like, well, it's the end of the world post-comp. Now the job's done. So there's nothing else to do. It was always, well, let's move to our next goal. And, And that next goal was not always about being as lean as possible is about well let's 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 hit a max a new max squat let's do a powerlifting comp in a couple months I think that's also why just going back to the surplus as well having strength-based goals when you might not feel so good about how you actually look or maybe you are used to looking super lean but if you have increased your calories and maybe you have put on a little bit of body fat having that focus of actually using the food in the performance like for your performance in the gym and having strength-based goals I think that that really helped me to stay focused on a surplus as well and even lately I have been increasing my calories trying to build a little bit of muscle hit some decent numbers again with squat and deadlift and having my calories up higher having those strength-based goals has yet yeah, helped me stay so much more motivated and focused in the gym it's definitely yeah strength-based goals yeah and just remember that this is all a journey. So just because you did a comp doesn't mean, you know, your your life's finished with, with training. You know, comp is just 
one thing about, you know, your training and your nutrition. It's a long journey, especially, you know, we're all wanting to be healthy and, you know, enjoy the gym. And that's why it's really important to, you know, take comps as they are. It's, it's, it's a goal you compete, but then try not to see it as the be all and end all because you want to keep going up because if you, you know, if your entire self-esteem gets tied to that comp and then all of a sudden you're not as lean and you're, you're not competing again. And you've just been so commonly used to validating yourself by looking in the mirror and stuff like that. That's where I think people can have troubles, but with that, I think um, we'll keep this one short. We'll do another one in a couple of days time guys. Um, Lauren, where can everyone find you? Uh, so my Instagram is at Lauren Simpson. And Rare. And Rare is RareCollectiveOfficial.com. Awesome. So, guys, if you enjoyed this one, please, as always, leave a five-star rating and you want to write a review. And also on Apple, guys, at the top of the podcast, there's a follow button. So please press the follow button. It helps me a lot. And, of course, as well, every time that you share the podcast out, to your audience, to your friends, to social media. It helps a lot. So we want to just keep getting good education out and keep growing this. So Lauren, thank you very much. Thanks, Lauren. Thank Lauren sitting in the lounge room while I'm in my office. So I guess I'll go see you in about seven seconds. But guys, thank you very much. Thanks, Lauren. Bye.